guys, welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Sophie Bertrand, registered nutritionist. And I'm Barry Strickoff, registered dietitian. And today we are here with my favorite guest so far, or ever, because I'm biased. And we're here with my mom, Fran. Hi, Fran. Hi, everyone. We're so happy to have you on. Do you want to tell everyone a bit about yourself? Um, there's nothing to tell. Um, I'm Barry's mom. I'm Joshua's mom. <laughs> I'm a retired chef, so I went to school to become a chef, and I did it for many years, owned my own business, sold the business about 12 or 13 years ago, I guess, Barry, right? That long? And I am transitioned into another business, but not, you know, a little food related. I do have food interests still, but that's it really nothing else I love how like your first thing is like I'm a mom I'm I'm Joshua's mom I'm just a mom (laughs) I think that's how I identify I do I I think that when I think of who I am because I think that of all the things that I've done and even though I've been really successful I think that you and Josh are my greatest successes oh that's so nice that's literally so cute I just think it's funny because I haven't called you mom since I was like 10 years old. I know it's so funny. You always call me Fran or Franny. When I met Barry, I was like, who's Fran? She was (laughs) like, that's my mom. I was like, you don't call her mom? She's like, no. (laughs) Your brother just left and it was the first time I've seen him in literally six months. So that was a joy. And we're sitting here at the table having brunch. They were here for the weekend. And he's like, okay, Fran, listen, we're going to have to leave after brunch. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And I even call dad Alan, like, and I even call my grandfather Marvin, like, I don't even call him Poppy anymore. He's just, everyone's <laughs> on a first name basis. Um, that's just, yeah, a weird thing about our family. But anyways, we wanted to have you on the podcast because I've said this to you before, but one, I think you have a fantastic personality for podcasting. And then two, I think that you have a really interesting- Is that, wait- is that like telling somebody they have a great face for radio? <laughs> no, that's no, a good no. thing. Great <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. You have a great face for television. <laughs> Anything <laughs> beautiful. No, but I was saying actually we don't have a TV show yet, so what we can offer you is a podcast. <laughs> that's so no, but you're, you're very charismatic and you're witty, um, and I just, you make me laugh, so I, I hope that you make other people laugh as well. But you have an interesting wellness journey, don't you? I guess I do. Um, it's it's a scary journey, because it didn't start off happy. It mm-hmm. was always a big struggle for me. So food was always a struggle, and I grew up in a house where they had so much bad information about food and everything was about food. So for example, I was this like very skinny, emaciated child who could eat and eat and it didn't matter. I was emaciated. Like I looked unwell. That's how tiny I was. But that was like natural for you. Right. No, it didn't. Right. It was. And then I guess when I started, when I started to menstruate, I literally blew up, and but I was older. I was 16. So everything happened a little later for me. And I really ended up on a bad journey of an eating disorder. And 
it was in years that like, I don't even know that they had a diagnosis for it in those days because nobody labeled me as anorexic or bulimic until many years later. They just said I had problems with food and they'd use all these euphemisms. But in my home with my parents, because I lived with them in those days, they didn't even know, like everything was about your weight, your looks. There was such an emphasis put on it. And it was just a bad start and a bad journey. And it took a lot of years to correct and to find like, you know, a very healthy place for myself. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I've heard tons of stories, but so if you might find this interesting, when my mom was little, my grandma used to be on this um, eating pattern. I don't even know if you can call it a diet. What was it called, mom? Like the prisoner? Oh, she called it. Okay. So grandma Judy is one of those perpetual people who goes on a diet every Monday. And it's ridiculous because she's beautiful and she doesn't need to. And in those days, she certainly didn't need to. But she did every, like whatever crazy diet was out there. But she came upon her own diet and she called it prisoner of war diet. And she'd allow herself one meal a day. And I mean, it was the most ridiculous, unhealthy, horrible thing. But that's how I grew up. That was a diet. You know, diet meant prisoner of war, one meal a day. And it was all about deprivation. It was so awful. Jeez. And did you like pick up on those behaviors and kind of adopt them yourself? Of course. You know something? It was not only adapting them. It was in a culture that but deprivation and diet today. When I use the word diet for myself and you guys are clinical, so you might disagree or and that's okay. To me, diet today doesn't mean losing weight. Diet means taking care of myself. It means how I treat my body both in what I feed it for nourishment, but how I sleep, how I meditate, how I exercise, every, you know, how I hydrate. Diet is about feeding my body good things. Whereas growing up, diet was all about looking in that mirror and being that perfect size one, you know, it just was horrible, horrible. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that kind of just like diet mentality when they were younger. Um, But definitely your situation sounds a bit more extreme um, and sad, to be honest. Um, But I do think it's just a product of like lack of education, just like the thin ideals were so prevalent then. It was like just when TV and movies, you know, were becoming more mainstream than before and people who in the public eye, it just became, who was the, um, was it, uh, what what's the lady's name from Breakfast at Tiffany's? Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, yeah I feel like it was the age of Audrey Hepburn. Is that correct, or did I make that up? No, I mean, it, it wasn't just her, but it was definitely the start of teen magazines and Tiger Beat and Seventeen and Young, you know, they had the, what was it, like Young Vogue or Young Glamour or whatever with all these, like, young girls that, you know, the image was to look beautiful and thin. So I think that was a big part of it. But in my own case, the journey came from things in my life that started to spiral out of control. And that was the thing I could control. I could be the skinniest. Yeah, I think that um, that's quite common when we see people um, with the same kind of patterns is it's not usually about the food, is it? It's about a sense of control. Yeah. 
I mean, you girls know better than me, but I will tell you one thing, like even after, you know, years of therapy and getting my eating disorder under control and managing it, learning how to manage it, I never got rid of that mindset. And the thing that I don't want to say cured me, but the thing that really hit home was you because you were in Florida visiting your grandparents and I wasn't there. You went with um, a girlfriend and my sister-in-law called me and said, your daughter is standing in front of the mirror, adorable, like cute as can be going, does this bathing suit make my ass look fat? And she said, (laughs) you know that that's you. And she heard it from you. And it, it is that terrible to say? Oh, but it, you do pick up on so much. Oh, you home so bad or so good, however you look at it. But I was like, oh, my God, how many times did you hear me say growing up, oh, my God, my ass is so big. If I go off a high curb, it hits the floor. And I was like, what a horrible thing to let you hear. And it made me rethink what I said and what I verbalized and how I internalized and how I treated myself, how it, it was like the start of me learning to be kind to myself for you, because I really feel that you deserved better. That's so interesting. Barry, do you remember like your mom saying stuff like that and then thinking that you needed to be thin as well? I think I was too young to think like, I think I was too young to know what I was saying. Like, I think actually, like I was just like repeating what I, what I heard mom say. But I actually do remember um, that experience. But yeah, I just I know that that was a real turning point for you. And I know that uh, Fran, you just said you were that was a big change in your journey that was for me. But when did your journey become about you? I think that all along it should have been about me. And the things that were about me were the negatives. And it didn't become about me being positive about me until well after 40 or 45. So prior to all that, it was all these negative things that I heard growing up. And I'm certainly not blaming my parents. It was a different generation. They're the best parents on earth. But like I remember coming home from college with that freshman 15 for the first time and my dad saying, oh, my God, you were so fucking fat. I, I can't even get clothes for you. And I was like, it didn't strike me as that was unnormal or bad to say because I heard it all my life. It was always about weight. Like, Barry, you know this. Like, the first thing when we see them, it's they'd look at me and see what I looked like, right? Am I a size two or am I a size eight? You know, he still does that to me, and he still like checks, and he's like, "Oh, your acne is a bit bad." And I'm like, right, well, like, and he'll say to me, "You know, your ass got big," and I'm like, "Oh, God, really? Like, get over it." You know, how about I'm like a nice person? Yeah, <laughs> I laugh at your stupid job. You know, like whatever. But again, it's not that they're bad. They're it's a different generation. They're very consumed with weight and health and fitness now even, which is great because they're 83 and they're super fit. But my journey for me, I, I don't think it, I think it got to be about me in a good way later on in life when I realized that I I had to learn to be kinder to myself and be nicer to myself. Yeah. So did you spend kind of like those 20 years, it was just a constant kind of battle against food and food was the enemy? 
Oh my God. Food was such an enemy. And for a young girl, and I, I was very young when I went to college, I was 17. So I was very young. And to go and become a chef when I had all these negative, you know, horrible relationship with food, what a crazy choice of, you know, you profession. Think, yeah. But do you think you subconsciously went, and I know that you've always loved to cook since your young age and uh, Marvin's a great cook, so it runs in the family for sure. But do you think that you kind of went into that profession because it was a way for you to be around food and experience food without actually eating it? I definitely think so. I always tease that this is a true story. I say the reason that I wanted to be a chef because I was about eight years old, and I don't know if they have this in the UK, Sophie. So I don't know if you know. Do you know what an easy bake oven is? No, but I only know because I heard Monica talk about it on Friends. <laughs> okay, that's hysterical. So I had an easy bake oven, which was a little toy oven, and it ran by like this, like light bulb light. And I was, I was cooking a cake in it, and my brother's friends were all over, and I guess they smelled the cake. And they all left my brother and came to me. <laughs> and I was like, well, there's power in this thing, you know? <laughs> so I always think that's why I wanted to be a chef. But I, I think that, Barry, you're more intuitive. And with hindsight being 2020, I'm sure it was a way for me to be around food. But it, I, I don't know. I always thought that food brought people together. And that's like a great joy in my life as a chef is, nothing makes me happier than to cook something that somebody enjoys and watch them eat it you know share it with them yeah I agree that's the me and Barry said this before there's kind of like no better feeling than someone enjoying food that you've made oh god I mean yeah sitting at a table with a glass of wine and people you love and good food I don't think it gets better I agree I it should never be unhealthy like that should never be something that we think of as unhealthy or there's like Barry has taught me there is no bad food. Yes. Well done, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> and in a journey, though, I feel like there were times when we used to fight over um, food and things like that. Not we didn't fight over food like we were both going for the same like Hershey kiss, <laughs> but like we used to fight over food because I would try and like educate you but I didn't know how to do it in like a sensitive way because we were just like too close so I think my only way to do it was just to get really passionately aggressive which I'm known to become um (laughs) and I don't know if if when people do that people on the receiving end just tend to shut down because they're like all right this is not the kind of information that I want but I'm glad to hear that some of it actually you've you've learned <laughs> or you've, you've adopted the the things that I used to just like scream as I like passive aggressively like shut the door and close. No, definitely. Like, one thing that I've learned from you that I never did in my whole life is I never ate three meals a day, and I just never did. And I've learned through you that I just don't like to eat when I get up. But that doesn't mean that I can't eat breakfast. It just means if eating food the second I wake up makes me yak, well, eat it when my body is telling me, but just eat it, you know, or just so I don't skip meals anymore. You know, and if I have a crazy work life, which I do because I travel so much, um, like pre-COVID, mm-hmm. I'm sure that I like pack healthy stuff or if you know, like if I'm leaving my hotel early and I don't want to eat breakfast because it was too early, 
I will, you know, pack a packet of, you know, oatmeal Mm -hmm. and say, I'll always find hot water and be able to make it, you know, that kind of thing. I've learned to just not skip meals and I don't feel guilty about anything anymore either. I don't feel guilty about indulging in something because you're allowed to, it's, it's not a big deal. And that experience is like so amazing. And it's something that, again, like it's something that you probably will do with dad. Like you'll cook something quite indulgent and it's an experience and that's something to be enjoyed. And you should never have to feel guilty about enjoying that. You know something? It's not. I mean, yesterday I made like a little charcuterie board because I know your brother loves it. And normally I would not make things like that in the past and say, oh, my God, I'm not going to, you know, indulge in those kind of foods. And I, you know what? I took a little bit of everything. I didn't feel guilty. I felt great. But it took me 57 and a half years to get here. It, it wasn't easy. It was a struggle and a journey. Yeah. So I think like some people think it's kind of like you have that epiphany moment and all of a sudden, you know, everything's fine. But I think for everyone, it takes so much time and you almost don't realize it happening. But little by little, you manage to improve things. It would be great if there were those epiphany. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) But life doesn't work that way. I kind of like, don't you wish it did? Yeah. I don't know. I just think that as I get older, you hear all these cliches like, with age comes wisdom. And it's it's such a cliche, but it's so true. I wish I could go back to like my 17-year-old self and my 25-year-old self. And I wish I could just say to her, be kinder to yourself. It's, you know, it's a great big life. Mm. You know, be kinder. I love you that. Know. I feel like that's a big message we could all take away. Just like we, we always talk about just being kind to yourself. But you know, reflecting back to a time and maybe you weren't and, you know, using that as motivation to keep going or just, yeah, just reflecting and incorporating that into your day-to-day life. Barry, can I ask you a question? Sure. Turn the tables, Fran. Did, yeah, really on the podcast, did my really unhealthy life and relationship with food is it one of the reasons that you went into being a registered dietitian to help people be better than what I was teaching you growing up? I mean, I think it would be daft to say that there's no, like, it, like to say like, oh, I grew up and my mom didn't have the healthiest relationship with food. And then I became a dietitian and did a master's in eating disorders. I think it'd be stupid <laughs> to say no. Um, I definitely think it was a big subconscious influence, but I don't think actually um, it was too conscious in the sense that I think I had my own like just enthusiasm about food. Like I was quite sporty when I was younger and I was always really active and like that kind of fueled my, you know, nutrition, I don't know, like passion. And then I was quite like sciencey. I really liked biology and chemistry and I just feel like it was kind of like a natural progression. I always said I would have been a doctor, but I don't like blood and I faint. So (laughs) So nutrition was kind of like a way for me to use all my skills. Um, And I just, I loved it. And food was such a big part of my life growing up that, you know, you're a chef. So food was everything. And I used to, you know, work for you and younger, like 10 in your like kitchen chopping vegetables. Um, you were so cute in your little chef's outfit. 
<laughs> it was so cute. Sophie, she'd stand on a little, like, you know, we built her a little um, step stool kind of thing in my store Aww. and she would stand on it. She was so cute. So, so I've seen quite a few pictures of Barry when she was little and they are adorable. Well, Sophie, then I want to ask you, what drove you to be a nutritionist? So my journey was actually because of my own journey. However, now, I mean, when I look back, my mum's always kind of experimented with diet. She was, you know, she's done Atkins. Um, what were the other ones? She's done so many. Um, my dad is you know, he would think that, you know, if you're overweight, you're unhealthy, so we should all be slim. And his gene pool is very naturally slim. So me and all my siblings have quite slim frames. So and he'd quite often look at people in bigger bodies and say, well, you know, they're really unhealthy because they're overweight. So we were kind of brought up thinking that, you know, you should be slim to stay healthy. Um, so but then I also had a really difficult relationship with food myself and it was more for my own education that I wanted to become a registered nutritionist um but yeah I think everyone I think it's actually really rare that someone doesn't have a difficult relationship with food growing up because there's just so many mixed messages out there and if it's not your parents it's going to be someone else that you come into contact with definitely I couldn't agree more with that it is crazy, though, the amount of pressure that society puts on people based on how they look. And yeah. it's not a positive. Definitely. You know, we always used to have this thing in our house growing up, and I guess it's really relevant today with what's going on in the world, um, is that I always used to tell Barry and Josh, you know, people say, don't judge. And I'm like, no, that's not what I believe. You have to judge everyone, but you have to judge them by the content of their hearts and the deeds they do. And it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. You know, like you go on a first date and the first thing you do is you look at someone or, but it's, I don't know. I just think we have to change as society. It has to be about what's inside and yeah, we have I to it outside I know exactly what you mean and you used to frame it a different way because you used to be like you could be the prettiest like cutest girl in school but if you're not a good person you're going to be ugly on the inside and that's going to make you ugly on the outside well we had to tell you that because you were the most <laughs> precocious child on earth right <laughs> so you were so precocious and you were an adorable little girl you really were beyond adorable and people would stop in the street and make little comments about you about like you know when you were so outgoing when you were little and you know you'd walk out of the house at three years old accessorizing and I mean you were like it was amazing and I didn't want you to get this like swelled head you were becoming such a little monster and I, you know, daddy and I had to teach you that pretty came from the inside because people always say how pretty you are. So we did. We told you if you were naughty, because I don't like the word bad. I don't believe in bad children. So we'd always use the word naughty. If you were naughty and mean, you'd be ugly on the outside. I can't believe I taught a child that. That's horrible. I think the intention behind it was good. Oh, my God. Did I really do that much? Yeah, I think I think looking back, there were some questionable <laughs> moments of things that you taught like, me. Um, <laughs> but I think that's why you think your shoes should match your purse. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the last things I've taken out of my childhood. Always <laughs> shoes to your dance. 
Do you know what uh, I think is funny, though, is that when you're like, even probably up to your teens, you look at your parents and you think their sole purpose, I know it is to a, a degree, is they're just your parents. They're here because they're your parents and they have, you know, no other reason to be living their life. But then when you grow up, you're like, they're just people, too. Like, they're only human. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but you know what? And then it's the curse. OK, you should have one just like you. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe one day if you have kids, bah, um, you know, when you have your own little mushy, you could screw them up. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I can laugh. I definitely will. I think one um, interesting thing maybe we can talk about real quick is um, how we went to Weight Watchers together. Oh, my God. Yeah, we went to Weight Watchers. So whose um, idea was that? I think, um, to be honest, like, I was at a point in my life, and I was, I think I was around 14, where I was really conscious about, like, I wanted to be healthy, and I wanted to eat really well, and I was, like I said, I was, like, really athletic, but I was also conscious of my body, and I was just, like, I thought I was on the right path to be healthy, and I'd come home from school, and I'd be, like, okay, I'm going to have fruit, because fruit is healthy, and I kid you not, I'm trying to put it into terms of, like, the UK, because things are just sold differently, I think I would eat like three punnets of grapes in like 20 minutes after getting home from school. It's like an afternoon snack to the point where I felt sick. And I'd be like, okay, great. I had fruit. And my mom's like, you just ate like five, four, like, do you know what I mean? Like you just had enough fruit and enough but grapes. Wait, but like, I was, I remember this conversation with you exactly. And you ate three pounds of fruit. I don't know what that is in the UK. Three pounds of grapes. And you were saying, mommy, I'm gaining weight. And I don't understand it. I'm eating. Look, I just ate fruit. And I said, Barry, and I this was the example that I used. So I remember this. You ate the right thing, but you ate three pounds. So three pounds of feathers, it's still three pounds. Okay, so yeah, three I pounds like of consumed fruit. Because um, I oh, fruit's healthy. Um, and so there wasn't really like back then, like there wasn't really private nutritionists and dietitians that you can just go see, or it wasn't, at least we didn't know about them. Um, so the only thing that we kind of knew that taught you portions and kind of understanding nutrition, the closest thing we had was Weight Watchers. And mom was familiar with Weight Watchers, you know, obviously you had done it in the past and whatever. No, I never did. Your grandmother like lived her life on it. It was like... Oh, yeah. Anyways, I got a doctor's note saying that, like, I wasn't allowed to lose weight. It was more about, like, the education. But I literally used to go and, like, sit within the meetings. And it was just, like, all people over, like, 50. <laughs> like, all, like, I can't. And it was just, like, me, this, like, 14-year-old. And I was the happiest person in the, in the world there because I was just, like, learning so much. Or what I thought I was learning so much um, about portions and about nutrition and stuff, but obviously I wasn't really learning healthy things, but yeah, we used to go to the meetings together and then I would like force you to buy me all their like one point candies. Oh my God. Do you remember that? The one point, the, the caramel with the chocolate covering. Yeah. And it was so bad because I would eat the whole bag and I'd be like, Oh, I only had eight points. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, well I'll just like skip the points at lunch and just like, it was ridiculous. And the whole system, it's just like, calorie counting in disguise it's obviously the it's marketed as or at least back then it marketed a bit differently as portion control but obviously we know now that it's just another way to count but yeah I like yeah. totally adopted their mentality and I was like okay I'm gonna have these like Weight Watchers ice cream 
and there are only three points and if I have four of them for dinner then that's just my dinner. (laughs) So when you were doing Weight Watchers for you Barry was did you in your head was it about health or did you also want to be thin? Um, I think it was it was both Um, but I I mean there was obviously that underlying like want to lose weight Um, but I think it it did kind of just start as like I was just doing it wrong and maybe Fran didn't know how to properly educate as like I think it's really hard for parents to properly educate their kids about nutrition when maybe they have mixed messages themselves and mixed messages in general through the media and things like that so it was the kind of the only thing we had back then yeah and Fran was your sole purpose for doing Weight Watchers to lose weight only but for myself that was it it was always it was always about losing weight and when I look back at this Barry I, I don't think you ever knew me as heavy. Never. Like, you're the most petite, tiny person in the world. No, I'm not. And even now, and I'm being very honest, like, to whoever's listening, I, weight-wise, I'm probably at the heaviest I've been in, I don't know, 20 years, but I'm really happy. And when I went to the doctor, you know, they were like, you're healthy and you're good. And I'm like, okay, you know, I've been sitting home for three months and probably eating more than I should. And, but I'm walking every day and I'm sleeping better and I'm, you know, reading good books and doing good things. And I just, I don't know. I'm happy. That's amazing to hear and probably amazing for other people to hear as well, that even at maybe what you think is your heaviest, you're actually your happiest as well. I know until I get down to see my parents and he tells me that my ass is so fat, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I also think it's a good reminder, like you went to the doctor and they were really pleased with everything that weight doesn't equal health. So even when you were at your lowest weight, you were probably your most unhealthy. And this weight that you are now, even though it might seem a little bit higher to you, it's actually something that allows you to enjoy yourself and not feel guilty, but still, you know, like you said, you're exercising and you're sleeping and those are so important. So weight is just reiterating that weight doesn't equal health. Yeah. I mean, I I, am sure that if somebody was like obese where it was unhealthy or had heart issues or high blood pressure, it obviously, you know, with diabetes, it's a different story, but for everybody out there, if you're five or 10 pounds over what you normally are or what you should be, but everything else is healthy and good. I don't know. I, I, I don't get on the scale every day anymore. I don't judge my life and my value by what I weigh and I'm not obsessed with it. And I am obsessed with health. And like, if I don't walk, I like walking is my favorite exercise. So I didn't walk this weekend while, you know, your brother was home just cause we were, you know, doing family things. Mm-hmm. So that made me, you know, like now I realize, okay, today I want to go out and take a really nice walk. I'm going to feel great when I do, but I don't beat myself up over this stuff like I used to, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think you you definitely have a much healthier uh, relationship with food in your body now. Um, but like you said, it didn't come easy. It was something that was over, what, um, 30, 30 years I, I think it was from the day I was born, Barry. I really do, <laughs> Mush. I just think that, I don't know, it was from the day I was born because it was all I ever heard. It just, and it's why I had to stop the cycle with you. I had to. The second I heard you were repeating what I was saying and how I was living, it was like that aha moment of parenting. Wow. 
You know, you're going to be on Oprah's couch telling her this one day if I don't change, you know. So did you have therapy to help you with your disordered relationship with food? I did, but it wasn't until later on in life when I was younger, there was no diagnosis of this. So I was like so ill that I went down to, I don't know, like. Yeah, but I'm saying maybe we shouldn't mention the numbers because it could be quite triggering. Yeah, it was. Okay. So I was so ill that I stopped getting my period. My hair was falling out. Um, I was, my parents had to take my car keys away because I would faint all the time. Oh, wow. Right. So here I was so ill. And I remember finally they sent me to a psychiatrist and it was like a bad B movie from the forties. And I was just telling Barry, I was just telling Rosalie this story this weekend. So I went into this doctor's office and it was in a hospital and there was very dark in the room, no furnishing other than a couch, a desk and a chair. And I sat and a box of tissues and I sat down and the doctor literally, and it was a man and he was much older and he didn't even ask me questions. I think he was waiting for me to tell him my life story. And I was very belligerent to begin with because I didn't think there was anything wrong with me and I didn't want to be there. And I remember not saying much and at the end, like, you know, your time is up kind of thing. He said to me, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. He said to me, is there anything you want to say before you go? And I went, yeah. I said, my mother is a whore. My father is the local <laughs> drug dealer and my brother wears my dresses. Fuck you. I, left. I, I can't believe I did that. Like today, like that's such a horrible, horrible you should also say that you're joking about all those things because oh, okay, I'm joking about all those things, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> except for my brother wearing my dresses. But no, I'm joking. I'm really joking. <laughs> so, but like the, the connotation and the setting was so archaic, and it was almost like it was a taboo that you went to a psychiatrist, and it was all these negative associations. And what really changed it was our family practitioner who is a family friend and he was like this just adorable older man and he literally called me up and he was like so so this old jewish doctor and he went mamala i hear you're not doing too well and he said to me and you think of this as a therapy like how awful and bizarre he said to me what would be your favorite food? And I said at the time it was pasta. He said, well, did you eat any pasta today? And I was like, no. And he said to me, I want you to eat a little pasta today. Could you do that? And I went, I don't think so. So he said, how about, and I think he knew two types of pasta, like spaghetti or maybe ziti. He said, how about today you eat five pieces of ziti for me and I'll talk to you tomorrow. And he hung up and I really like kind of liked him and respected him. And I would like eat five pieces of ziti and the next day I would eat six. And it was such a crazy, there were no therapies then, you know, and I remember getting weighed in the doctor's office. And obviously they didn't want me to lose weight. So it would take like a little bag of quarters in each pocket 
and I would put them in my jeans and I'd tape them up so they wouldn't jingle. And I'd say, look, I ate, I gained weight. Like, like all these crazy things. There were no therapies until I was older. And then of course, of course I did, you know, talk to psychologists that were super helpful in getting to the root of why I was doing this and how it was affecting my life. You're like the textbook um, case. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, sad all those like, you know, of my generation, it was just, there was no help. It is crazy to see how much like um, things have changed recently. And I don't know if you have noticed this, but it's something Sophie and I have definitely noticed change since even we started, you know, practicing nutrition. But do you feel like now things are a bit more accepting of like size and weight and this kind of like anti-diet movement? Like, do you see it happening as much as we do? Obviously, we're biased because we're like involved. But do you see it happening? I do. And I'll tell you the first place that I see it Um and I'm not a huge television person, you know, as you know, Mush, but you see these ads now and the sizes of women are all shapes and sizes. Now they're getting away from that, you know, waif looking Kate Moss kind of whatever the, you know, 1980 model looked like. And now you see women of all ages and it changes as you get older. It so changes. My body has changed. My my tiny waist will never be tiny again. And that's part of getting older and menopause and learning to accept it. But I'm also smarter and kinder and wiser. So it, it is, you do see changes everywhere now. You see different shapes and colors and it's beautiful. Yeah, I think it's so important that we're heading in the right direction now because it's so unrealistic for people to think that, you know, we can all be this you know, the same size, all in slim bodies, because that's not how we're born. And some people just grow up beating themselves up because of it. And the phrase that I hated growing up, I've heard you guys use the opposite, which I love. I hated one size fits all. And you've used that so many times in a good way that you say there is no one size fits all model of doing things. But that was like that one size fits all thing. I know. Absurd. Um, Cool. I feel like we've really kind of touched a lot um, about how your wellness journey kind of has changed. How would you define wellness now? I was literally about to ask the same question. (laughs) I was going to say, what does health mean to you now? Oh, that's a better one. What does health mean to you now? I, I think that health is as mental as it is physical. It, but as I get older, I do really realize the importance of physical health. You know, that's huge. But health to me is, oh, that's such a good question. I, again, I think it comes back to my diet, my definition for myself of diet, meaning how I treat my body and what I feed it in terms of um, you know, sleep and hydration and exercise and mindfulness, you know, being kind to myself as well as others, carving out time that I don't have to be perfect anymore. I just don't. I don't have to be, I don't know, I'm not as hard on myself. I'm just not. I'm I'm forgiving and I'm tolerant and it's okay, you know? Yeah, that's that amazing. 
It sounds so good. I sound so together now. <laughs> you really do. You sound you sound like you've had like um, you've turned your negatives into a positive, and you're at a place now where you're quite help, happy and you know healthy. And I think it's right, great because I fucked you and your brother up doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Josh Josh turned out quite well. He's a bit. Um, Don't tell him. He's a <laughs> but that's the only thing. I guess so, that's why we gave him the nickname Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if we'll keep that on the podcast, but yeah, Dickhead. Why? But um, he answers to it. <laughs> yeah, he does turn around, which is interesting. Um, out of curiosity, what is your, as a chef, what is your favorite food to cook? Ooh, what's ooh your that's a good one. To cook, to eat, I think it's different, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, because my favorite food to eat, like you, is sushi. And although daddy did send me for sushi lessons on my 25th birthday, that was great. Um, and he supplemented with a Fendi bag, so he did really well. Um, my favorite food to cook, I don't know. Um, I, it would probably be seafood and shellfish, but I don't know. Last night I made paella. Yeah, your picture was amazing. Thank you. I don't know if I have a favorite food to cook because I like to cook what everybody likes to eat. So I don't think I have a favorite. I, I really don't. That I don't know. Yeah, I just like to cook it. You know, and again, not being in a professional kitchen anymore, there's no pressure. So, you know, I get to turn on, you know, great music and have a glass of wine and there's no stress involved with it. And it's just pure joy now. Yeah, that's the ideal cooking situation. Yeah, it's great. Mom, Fran, I used to have this sign in her kitchen. It's like, I love to cook with wine. And sometimes I even put it in my food. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I have a glass of wine when I cook dinner. And I do. I just, I, I have the playlist that daddy made me, Franny's Kitchen. Aww. And I just, that's my thing. It's like such a zen Which place for me. You should ask dad to make that like a public Spotify. It is. It is on, it is. It's oh, on we Spotify. Need, we need that. Anyone can go search. Um, what is it? Franny's Kitchen. Franny's Kitchen. Um, we'll I'm definitely follow show notes if yeah. anyone wants to go. <laughs> I'm going to follow it. Oh. Um, amazing. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Mom. I feel like it was a really interesting story to hear. Um, obviously, I knew all of it, but I think hearing it all together in one kind of picture definitely um, brings a different perspective to things. Yeah, I found it so interesting. And I actually think it will be really encouraging for people to hear what a journey you've been through, but you never stopped trying to find that happy place and you got there. Well, that is very, very sweet. But you know what? And I appreciate your asking me to be on. On a final note, it, just surrounding yourself with people you love and that love you, it just helps so much. And I'm so grateful for Alan and Barry and Josh. And it just, it, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, completely. I just, I so believe that our purpose for being in this world is to just have happy relationships and just to love each other. Oh, you that. and Ash, I love that and wish that for you for a lifetime. Oh, thank you so much. We love love. We love love. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. We will love you. Time. Also, before we sign off, please go follow my mom on Instagram at fstone 
18. She's an amazing chef and posts delicious food. And then please follow Forking Wellness, rate, review, and subscribe. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Love you both. Bye.